Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrew and I'm here with Nick Hare, Peter Coghill and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. And this week we're talking about getting ripped off when you go abroad. Peter, you got ripped off recently, I think. Um, tell us about your recent travels. Oh, well, actually, no, it's a tale about how I managed to avoid, or learning to avoid being ripped off abroad. So I recently got back from Nepal, and I would highly recommend a visit. Beautiful place, beautiful people. Um, never fails to impress or frighten, depending on what's happening. But, uh, yeah, a brilliant, brilliant place. But something I know, I, we had a few days in Kathmandu, and Kathmandu is... Like many tourist cities, um, there's lots of street sellers who are pretty pushy and trying to get you to buy some of their their locally made or probably Chinese made tat from their shop. Um, and uh, I, I found that as I was walking around, the the and I, I wasn't particularly changing the types of places I was in, but the the street sellers got less and less aggressive towards me. They were they 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 kind of collectively gave up and. Uh, I, I felt that maybe this, maybe I was in some way moderating my behaviour to to automatically rebuff them in in some way. And but they, I found that I was felt like I was becoming more native, uh, and so people were approaching me less and trying to sell me less. And maybe because of the way I was carrying myself, or the way I was walking, or the way I was avoiding eye contact, or whatever. So maybe you just gradually looked more and more poverty stricken. Maybe I did. Yeah, more and more dirty and smelly. So they 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 left me alone. Uh, but yeah, it was an interesting sort of transition, and I, could, I witnessed this this happen over over a few days. So yeah, I, I wanted to explore what what was what was that? What was going on? Hmm. Has anyone got any answers? I don't know. I wasn't there. I suspect he found himself if it was Nepal, <laughs> um, and That's they could probably they could probably tell. Experiences yeah. And, yeah, and they knew not to go near you once you'd become holy or whatever. But I think the there is obviously you know is is I think people massively underestimate the amount of culture we carry around with us and the amount of uh, cultural understanding that we have that in just enables us to 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 not look like a foreigner and there's an urban le- famous urban legend um which has got the ring of plausibility about it about a guy who you know a sort of foreigner traveling in uh, you know in an airport somewhere and and um doesn't know what to do with the tea bag and someone explains you know you put that in the tea and then you take it out and a few seconds later and that's your tea done and then and then of course he uh takes the little packet of sugar and throws that in wholesale and you think well actually that's that's kind of uh it's not implausible that something like that might have happened you know if a tea bag goes in whole why shouldn't the packet of sugar go in whole and um but i think that sort of illustrates that's kind of example illustrates this uh, just the huge amount of understanding that we have that that enables us to to sort of operate and um I know if you don't notice it because it just feels like business as usual. But um, um, it's certainly if you're English, uh, Kate Fox, who's an anthropologist, has written lots of really interesting books about the English. And um, uh, and and you know, there's a whole. I mean, I think there's a whole chapter in one of her books about just how to behave in pubs. 
and all of the things you know the fact that obviously there's no table service even if the, you see the bar staff wandering around um, you know that when you get to the bar there's a queue even though it's an invisible one and it looks like a scrum but it's not and you know the fact that there's a system of buying rounds um, which is suspended under certain circumstances you know which are, which are shared and understood and um, you know and that you don't tip the bar staff even if it's a tiny amount of money you're expecting um, that one tripped me up when I went to the States I, I remember it was I think I, the bill was about it was sort of two pound ninety two dollars ninety five and I waited for change which apparently is absolutely not the done thing and this guy looked at me the barman looked at me absolutely filthily uh, as I waited there for my change you know for your five didn't realize what I'd done wrong yeah um well that's totally okay in the UK it's got absolutely expected to sit there and wait for one p change fine um yeah so i think uh, you know the point is that actually we so we have all this knowledge cultural knowledge that we don't we're just not aware of so okay so that makes sense but i guess the question is is how does that translate to us physically um and, and as we say how we carry ourselves um because let's say if if we're right on this you, you in theory you should be able to draw up some if you could access the statistics of 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 a rip off event happening um against plotting against time spent in a certain place and you should see in the first 24 hours you'd have actually not even just rip-off events you'd have higher approaches or higher um attempts at a rip-off do yeah. we agree yeah i think that's i think that's true it's effectively you turn up into a, a new culture with uh cultural naivety about that 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 culture especially if it's one that is you know vastly different from from your own and the more time you spend in that culture just like when we spend time in any environment you you learn about that environment and you shed naivety and so um i mean there are all sorts of examples of of this my own personal one was uh in holidaying in mexico uh and going to the the petrol stations the gas stations there um and realizing uh after i'd been a few times that there was a particular scam where they wouldn't reset the pump um so you would effectively pay for the person prior to your um the 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 petrol as well so you'd you'd end up paying double the amount but of course it was all in pesos and unfamiliar and you didn't really know it was cheap anyway so um so after about the third time i'd been to to a, a petrol station and and uh this had had happened to me but but unaware to myself i noticed that the locals got out the car even though it was self-serve uh, even even though it was um you know serve there was a person a, 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 an, a attendant an attendant exactly um they would get out of the car themselves and i and i thought that's that's an odd behavior i'll i'll do the i'll do the same uh and that's when i that's when i twigged what had been sort of happening and saw saw them then reset the 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 gas thing and then the rest of the time in mexico that's what i um that's what i did but but there the heuristic i used to shed naivety was to copy what the locals were were doing and uh you know that 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 is a good heuristic under most circumstances i think and i think it also performs this really useful function of signaling that you know what you're doing you know, if you do a thing that only locals know about, it just it gets rid of that. It's not even an issue now. You know, not to rip me off because you know you look like you you're you're familiar with the country, and that's fine. And um, I think one of the things that I find most irritating about uh, you know when you when people try to scam you when you're abroad or or at least somewhere unfamiliar, is um, the the thought that they think you're stupid. 
I find that more irritating than usually the the sort of fairly um, insignificant amount of money they're trying to get out of me. It's more irritating that they think I'm stupid enough to fall for it. Um, but and, when uh, you when you do, they're obviously they're obviously pro- <laughs> proven right, aren't they? That yeah. uh, and you and you know often you don't you don't know, but that, there is that deep feeling of anger about realizing you've uh, you've been ripped off, and and certainly. Um, you know they're, they're, they are right though in assuming you are stupid in in a culture that is alien alien to you you are effectively lacking understanding of that so that being the case again I think we've established that and all that makes sense what about if we sort of pose a question is it possible let's say I'm going to jet off to I don't know India tomorrow is there a foolproof way of making sure that I don't get ripped off is there or is there a way of of steepening that learning curve to ensure that this doesn't happen I I I think there are a number of things you can you can do to reduce your naivety Um, one is you know you can talk to people who have been to that that place so again a good example and I don't want to um, reinforce uh, uh, sort of national stereotypes but um, I visited a um, a well-known archaeological site near a, near a volcano, um, and um, the which, sorry, which country we're we talking about? Sorry, <laughs> is this Mexico? I'll, I'll hazard, no, 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 it's, Italy. Uh, it might be. Okay. Um, uh, and um, the um, uh, some people had told us before we went when you go up said volcano, Vesuvius, um, that you can uh, you can get a horse and cart there. Uh, and they will quote you a price at the bottom of the hill, uh, and you sort of sign up for the for the journey. Halfway up the volcano, there is a sort of a barrier um, across the road, and at that point, they then say, "Right, that's the that's the journey over." Um, you, you know, uh, if you want to get to the top of the volcano, it's you know. X, X amount of, uh, of euros in order to do that. Um, so I was pre-warned of that scam, and as a consequence, uh, we went up, up the volcano on a bus. Uh, but, um, uh, <laughs> um, uh, but, but the point is, you can, talk, you can talk to other people, or more, um, you know, with, with today's technology, you know, rather than rely on the handful of people you might know who've been to this place, you can obviously consult you know, things like TripAdvisor or other, those kinds of um, knowledge sharing platforms allow you to to research and, and learn other people's lessons. That's, you know, humanity's great, uh, great strength, isn't it? But I think that's, I don't think that's realistic because I think, you know, as much as you want to arm yourself with information, I think arriving somewhere new, particularly if the environment is very, very different to what we're used to, your, you know, your senses are being assaulted and you get, and you know psychologically you get knocked sideways a bit and um as much as you might want to you're in a your 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 state of emotion is very unsettled and um no matter how much you pre-plan you're always going to be vulnerable in yeah, those I first 24 hours i feel I, I, like that's my the, personal opinion i feel like it's the it's the not um, not having a sense of normality which is just yeah it's pure it's, it makes perfect sense you're in a new um environment you you don't know what's normal it's just that's just statistics you know you haven't got enough data to be able to say well this this person who's saying quoting me 20 pounds for this cab ride well should it be two pounds you know should it be 20p you just don't know you Mm. know uh but the rule the rule that i i use is you know is it 
do I care, right, <laughs> if it's a scam? You know, I, I remember when I first went to uh, Egypt several years ago, you know, I was being being charged something like five quid for a cab ride across town. And everyone said, oh, you've got to haggle. You can't just, you know, you can't just put say yes. You've got to haggle. I was like, I don't care. It's not worth it. It's five quid. I'm perfectly happy to pay that. Um, and so I took the same approach when I was in India and had to go and spend, uh, you know, we had a tour guide. And, of course, he took us to his cousin's rug shop and we had to spend an hour unsuccessfully haggling over uh, the cost of a carpet, which I, you know, I kind of quite liked. Uh, but all I did was just do the same rule that I would apply anywhere else, which is how much am I willing to pay for it? I'm not, uh, you know, and, and, and my figure was about 60 quid because it was quite nice. It was, you know, made of cashmere something or other um i thought well you know i'd pay about 60 quid for this rug but he wouldn't apparently go any lower than 120 now had i been you know um a local who knows he might have flogged it to me for 20 quid or you know i but but um i you know that rule was fine that that rule i can take with me you know and i and and perhaps just not don't worry about whether it's a scam just ask yourself is it worth is it worth paying you know I think also you can you can kind of adjust your risk threshold. I mean, I I, I definitely err on when I, when in an unfamiliar environment. I definitely err on the side of um, sort of ferocious mistrust of of everybody, assuming everybody's trying to rip me off. But of course, the downside of that is that you miss out on opportunity. Then you know there'll be all sorts of things that you will imagine are a scam when actually it would have been great to go and you know do that thing or partake in it mm. um so you know there's there's a there's a sort of threshold which you might slowly kind of lift as you become more certain about your uh, uh, your your settings and and of course actually you know part of learning is is getting things wrong so in in mexico it took me three you know petrol stations to get to get it to get it right you know you and, need... and four thousand pounds yeah, yeah. <laughs> and four thousand pounds and a, and a night in a in a mexican jail yeah um so uh so yes you know taking calculated risk is part of the learning process as long as you like as nick said you know as long as you don't mind the consequences of of getting it wrong uh then then that's fine. That's how you work out where the boundaries are. I think there are implications for when we think about artificial intelligence and trying to get artificial intelligence to navigate the real world. Actually, that's what you might expect it to do. You know, when you for for for, for quite a long time, uh, any kind of potential future general artificial intelligence is going to be gathering information about us and how we behave, yeah. and probably not doing very much. Um, I mean, in a sense, an artificial intelligence waking up one day you know in a in a in a human world is very much like us when we go abroad you know there's a whole set of rules that we know are there but we don't know what they are and we have to find out before we can before we can function i think um we're fairly close to wrapping up i want to come back to peter in a moment but um i actually i'm sitting here seething because all it's doing all all this all this talk is doing is just bringing back to me the number of times i've been ripped off in the past (laughs) in different places anyway um, I want to bring it back round to Peter. So, anything you know, Peter? Anything you want to round this off with from the fruits of our discussion of our of our shared knowledge and experience? Well, I mean, not not really. I mean, I, I still haven't really got a satisfactory answer. But I think I think what was happening is I was. What was the question? Well, why 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 did this? Why did this? Why did they leave you alone? Why after did they start a while? leaving me alone after a while? Uh, and I I, th- I think it's a strategy that I've always um, employ all the time. It's just trying to be aware of what I look like to other people outside. So you know, just 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 being conscientious of the impact I'm having. 
And I think it was just it was simply that and a bit of feedback. And that you know, I I I learned somehow to look like I wasn't buying anything without making that explicit by wearing a T-shirt in Sanskrit saying I don't want to buy anything. Um, but I it was I I somehow that sort of that that sort of external view of myself was giving me the feedback I needed to... to... I kind of imagine there's, there's a whole market stall uh, of T-shirts saying, I don't want to buy anything. Yeah. And you, in order to proceed, you have to, you have to go there first. Yeah, you, you know. have to buy one of those. Yeah. 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 And of course, four, then they're 400 quid each. Yeah, yeah. And they'll have you pegged as a mark the minute you yeah. buy one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes you think of, for example, martial arts. If you practice a martial art and get good at martial art, and, let, and let's say, for example, the reason why you wanted to do it was in case you, you got into trouble and you needed to do it. Mm. You needed to spring into action and karate chop someone the the better you actually get at martial arts the less likely you are to find yourself in a situation where you need to do that stuff because you sort of internalize the uh, the confidence let's say you develop a sort of steely ninja stare yeah people start leaving you alone is that and people know that you're a person to be reckoned with so yeah so, so working out, how's that I, working out for you Fraser? it's great you can you not see yeah. <laughs> when, I mean, when I, did I, one I, of you last lot try and pick a fight with me I'm right? scared I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah but I think that's what you somehow managed to do in those first few days in that day there or, or in, you know somehow you kind of knew that was that was the trick I think and I think you successfully pulled it off yeah. I suspect yeah. so yeah um okay um, I'm going to wrap up there. Before I do, has anyone got anything burning they want to say? No. Okay. Um, well, we were going to sort of suggest some fun scams that we. Oh, fun about. scams. Um, yeah, that's what I'd like to. Well, has anyone here tried to scam anyone? <laughs> that, that would, <laughs> well, uh, well, on the same trip, um, uh, my one of my travelling companions, his his luggage fell apart, um, uh, and so he was in the market for buying a new. A new, a new suitcase, uh, and and there's, there's uh, Nepal seems at the moment to be completely awash with with knockoff North Face kit. North Face, everything's North Face, but it's 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 imitation. Um, and I, I was listening to him bartering away in various shops, and he developed quite a good strategy for working people's prices down. But there was a really good there was a really good bit of salesman scam going on with one of the sellers. He was saying that his the, the bags he was selling, which were indistinguishable from all the other ones were better because although everyone was openly acknowledging they weren't real his were unreal made in korea rather than un- unreal made in china so he, his sales pitch was that they're, they're of a higher quality of, of fake <laughs> well, because the, they're made in korea the, the real the real scam is the uh, is the fact that we attach so much value to the labels because they're functionally completely identical i think they got a lot of cases they come out the same factories don't they um, but uh, but you know they could they can the the ones which are in some sense genuine whatever that means are, are worth a lot more yeah <laughs> right on bro so it's actually yeah. Yeah, the international capitalist <laughs> I'm system and bringing yeah, down yeah. capitalism yeah yeah no logo um, okay there's many more scams I want to talk about but we've run out of time um, I, actually there is, Robert Sapolsky who I've mentioned before he, he wrote a primate's memoir he was an, a, a primatologist who went to look at baboons in Africa said. Um, I can't remember which country it was in. It was Kenya or somewhere. And he, he said that it, the, the locals uh, had this scam going, foreign currency scam, where they would um, give you a really good rate, like as a taster. So you go and change your first hundred pounds, and it would come. You get a really good rate. Uh, and then, of course, next time you give them a lot more money, and they disappear with the money. And so he he worked this out, and just all he did was just visit different people to get their taster rate <laughs> one after the other, and effectively ended up scamming them which I think is quite yeah, a good way of turning it around. Sounds like quite an easy game to play, that yeah. one. Nice, I like that. Revenge of the Scammed. 
Okay, all right, let's stop there. Um, thank you very much. I'm Fraser McGrew. I've been here with Nick Hare, Peter Coghill, and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. You've been listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. Until next week, bye-bye. Mm-hmm.